right? And it goes beep, 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 beep. So what we're praying for as a church and what we're doing is setting that alarm. I'm dropping that alarm on you. So more than two weeks gone, beep, 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 beep. All right, so if I blow up your phone and you get heaps of calls from us, that's that alarm going off. That means somebody's leaving. Okay. That's not my sermon, but I think you ought to do that for your kids, for your relationships. How about your finances? I'd have a little alarm. Wait a minute, spending too much money. Beep, 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 beep. Money's leaving too fast. So maybe I'll preach that next week. Set the alarm. How about that? <laughs> Sounds good? Okay. Let's pray one more time. Lord, thank you so much for this church. Thank you so much for giving us options and ways to bless people. Lord, just being on camera, just just, see, just lifting our hands, just praying, Lord, that can mean a difference for somebody and where we sit and how we smile and how we engage. Lord, thank you for all of us who are on the same team together. And I just pray today as we close our series, that Lord, you would bless us with understanding and with joy to know that, Lord, you are with us and that this word is for us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, okay. It is. Is it 150? Oh, my goodness. I don't know how I'm going to preach this this fast. What should I do? I don't know, y'all. Okay. I'll just go ahead and preach. I'll do, I'll do the best. <laughs> hey. Okay, well, we're going to wrap our series up. I'll do my best to, to communicate this as, as succinctly as possible. Um, so we are finishing our series, Divine Interruption. That's what we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks. If you've missed any of the sermons, I know they're on audio. You can hear on the podcast, on our app. And here's pretty much what we've been saying the whole week. This is the series. This is the message. This is the point that we've been saying. Divine interruption is God's way of calling us to our highest self, right? Your highest self, the self that God created. He said, that's it. That's where I want you to be. God calling us to that. And when uh, what may look like a trial, anybody been through a trial? Anybody going through a trial? What may look like a trial or even a tragedy for some is an opportunity for the believer. As I read from the Seahawks translation last week that I found online. When you have to play the 49ers on the road on Monday night, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to take the NFC West. Do I have any Seahawks believers up in here? So, I'm getting real excited. This is good. But that's, that's what we're talking about. It's things that come at you because you're never really going to let your faith grow if it's not tested. And the 49ers got tested. They got tested. And, and what, what we're talking about is really you having the faith and the endurance to outlast your trouble. Sometimes our trouble outlasts us. And God said this trouble is really only supposed to be here for a short amount of time, but we can't even outlast the short little trouble that comes. And God says, no, I don't want your trouble to outlast you. I want you to outlast your trouble. Because when you outlast the trouble, your faith will be tested. And so the text that we've been unpacking, I'm just going to read it. Uh, 
Oh, yeah, I didn't put, this, I didn't put the James text out. We've been unpacking uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. And I'll just read it here because I did take it off uh, for this week. James uh, chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. Let me find it in my old school Bible. Uh, here it is. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. When you're, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and incomplete, needing nothing. And so we've been unpacking that. It's been making sense. But there's one underlining thing that has been following through the book of Daniel and really behind the scenes of our whole series. And that is that Jesus is the divine interruption. Right? We're not just talking about trials and things that come. What it is is God is using those trials. But Jesus in Scripture is, is a theological framework for who Jesus is. That throughout the history of humanity, that there's been a divine interruption. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sinned. But guess what? God came in and promised that Jesus would come. And throughout the Scripture, throughout the Old Testament... We see this promise, promise of a deliverer that's going to come, a Messiah. And Jesus would be the divine interruption into our human experience. And he would come and he would die on a cross and he would die for our sins. And it would literally change the trajectory of humanity because now we have hope. Now we have salvation. Now we have a way out. Now we have a solution. And so Jesus was the divine interruption in what is called the first advent, the first showing up of Jesus in the earth. And we've seen that, and the scripture tells us that Jesus died, but he was resurrected, and he went to heaven, right? Jesus is on the right hand of the Father. And so we are expecting another divine interruption. That is the second coming of Jesus. That's the second advent. In fact, that's what we are. We are Seventh-day Adventists, which means we believe in the Seventh-day Sabbath, and we are waiting for the second coming of Jesus. We don't teach or believe that there is a rapture. We don't teach or believe that there's, God's going to sneak up and sneak back. I'm going to show you why Jesus doesn't have to sneak up and sneak back. He is, this is a divine interruption. This is an announcement that Jesus has finished the work, and now he's coming for blood. He's coming for the devil. He's coming for the enemy. And as we looked in Daniel, in the first prophecy, remember the statue that Nebuchadnezzar saw, there was a stone that was not cut with a man's hand, and it came and it crashed that whole statue. And that it spoke about that kingdom being a kingdom that would never be destroyed. And that was prophetic language for Jesus who would come and his kingdom was established in the earth and destroyed every kingdom that would ever come after it. I'm here to announce to you that the kingdom of heaven has come. That every principality, every kingdom, every being, everything is under the subject of Jesus. He is the supreme ruler even now. Even now. And the church is the one who's supposed to continue to establish the kingdom of heaven in earth. In other words, the church is a divine interruption. You are a divine interruption. 
And some people are waiting for you to enter the room because they don't even realize it, but the spirit is on you. And the spirit is bringing peace and restoration and joy. Some people have to change their attitude because you're there. Other people hate you because who you, of who you are. Other people hate you because you're walking with God. Everywhere you go, there is a great controversy. There's something happening behind the scenes as we've been looking at Daniel. And Jesus is this divine interruption. So I want to take you to the end of Daniel, and I want to show you something. Because Daniel sees a bunch of visions that, again, I didn't have a chance to unpack, but I will one day, that Daniel sees this vision after all these dreams and all these visions, and he's really kind of concerned because it's a lot of chaos and it's a lot of power and, and there's a lot of things that are happening, and it looks like the enemy is win, winning. And then he sees this at the end of Daniel. I want to read this to you. This is what Daniel says. And he's talking about after something he sees that happens. He says, at that time, Michael, the archangel who stands guard over your nation, will arise. Then there will be a, a time of anguish greater than any, any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people who was written in the name and written in the book will be rescued. He's talking about an end time. He's talking about a prophetic time before the second coming of Jesus, the last divine interruption. It says many of those bodies lay dead and are buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. But those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky. And those who will lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Are you seeing this? That at the end, when Jesus comes again, there's going to be two clear groups at that point. It's not going to be a wavering in the middle. There's going to be people who got it right and people who didn't get it right. And understand that throughout your life, and every person in history, God has been working on their behalf. It is God's intention to save them. He has sent them message and message and people and people. He has poured out and exhausted every resource on every human life that will and has ever lived. But there comes a point when a person decides, basically they're deciding, I don't want to be with you forever. I don't want this relationship. And God's like, I respect that. And we practice that right now. It's not something that we're going to get a chance at some miraculous moment. It doesn't always happen like that. It really starts from a daily decision saying, God, I want to be with you. I want to accept your divine interruptions. In my, I want my faith to grow. Or God's like, you can decide, hey, this isn't really for you. And I really don't want to be with you. The worst thing you can do is try to be a Christian when you don't love God. That's just a waste of time. I'm just going to tell you, just go have fun. No, I'm just serious. Like, don't even, don't, even, don't even do it. It's a struggle. It ain't even worth it. If you don't want to do it, just don't do it. You'll, live, you'll be way happier. And I say that sarcastically and tongue-in-cheek. Right? But, but if you just don't want God, just, like, just be honest. 
And what I love about God is he'll start with where you are. But at some point, it's got to end. At some point, the clock is going to run out. At some point, this is over with. And, my, and what Daniel is seeing is that at that time, there were those who said, hey, I, I wanted this. I wanted to be with God. And I helped people be with God. They're going to shine. And in verse 4, what, or what did the last, uh, did I put? Uh, verse 4, yeah. But you, Daniel, he tells Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end when you will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. And so basically what uh, the angel tells Daniel is, I told you a little bit, but I'm going to put a pause right here. And I'm going to seal this prophetic book until another time. Well, that time does come. And it comes through John, who is one of Jesus' best friends, one of his disciples. And John is on the book, the Isle of Patmos, and John is given the last final bioptic of Jesus. It's called the book of Revelation. It's literally the revelation of Jesus. It's Jesus saying, let me tell my side of the story. This is Jesus in heaven, right, after defeating the devil, saying, let me tell my side of the story. And Jesus begins to explain. And what he does is he picks up where Daniel left off. So Michael, Michael's interesting. This, this term of Michael, it's like a, a militarized, like a military commander that the Bible suggests is Jesus. That he is Michael. And so what we pick up now is literally a, thousands of years later in a whole different book, the book of Revelation. And I want to show you Revelation chapter 12. Because what Revelation chapter 12 does it gives us a picture of what happened before what Daniel saw. Now, this is deep. We get a little introduction to Michael. Because in Daniel, Daniel says, at some point, Michael stands up. That's what verse 1 said. At some point, Michael stands up and says, all right, that's it. It's time to wrap it up. Clock's expired. It's time for that final divine interruption, and we're going to go ahead and whoever's righteous, let them be righteous. Whoever's unrighteous, let them be unrighteous, but time has come. And so, here we find ourselves in Revelation. Here we get a little picture of what happened. So, John writes what he sees in vision. Jesus is showing him the film. He says, then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon beneath her feet. And the crown of stars on her head. And this is prophetic language for the church. She was pregnant and she cried out because of her labor pains and the agony of giving birth. Then I witnessed in heaven another significant event. I saw a large red dragon with seven horns, seven heads and ten horns with seven crowns on his head. His tail swept one-third of the stars in heaven, and he threw them to the earth. He stood in front of the woman as she was about to give birth, ready to devour her baby as soon as it was born. She gave birth to a son who was, what, who was to rule all nations with an iron rod, and her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. So the dragon couldn't get the baby. And the woman fled to the wilderness where God had prepared a place for her to care for her for 1,260 days. That's a prophetic uh, prophecy. I told you one day we'll break all this down. Then there was war in heaven. Say that with me. There was war. And Michael, 
right? Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle. And his, he and his angels were forced out of heaven. The great dragon, this great dragon, the ancient serpent. Ooh, how many of you are making connections now? Back to the Garden of Eden. The great dragon, the ancient serpent called who? The devil or Satan, the one deceiving the whole world, was thrown down to Mars. He was thrown down to Jupiter. Where am I at? Oh, he was thrown down to the earth. Is that where we live? So this dragon that, oh, he's living here. Okay. He was thrown down to the angels alone. Bible didn't say that. And all the angels, so one-third, that tail that swept those third stars, that means one-third of the angels in heaven left with Satan. And he's deceiving the whole world. It means we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. So, verse 10, Then I heard a loud shout, voice shouting across the heavens, It has come at last, salvation and power and kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren and sisters have been thrown down to the earth, the one who accuses them before our God night and day. And they have defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Now look, what this is describing is those same people that make it at the end. It's describing a people who, despite the, the devil being here, despite trials and tribulations, despite setback, despite the war that was taken on the road to heaven, despite all that, there was a group of people who defeated the enemy. They defeated him because they followed the lamb and they did not love their lives even as much as they were afraid to die. In other words, they weren't afraid to die. They weren't afraid of what was going to happen to them because they were connected to the Lamb. Let's keep going. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, for you, you who live in the heavens rejoice, but terror will come to the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down in great anger, knowing he has a little time. That don't sound good. When the dragon realized, so now they're cutting back in the story, when the dragon realized that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman, which is the church, who had given birth to the male child, which is a metaphor for Jesus. In other words, he couldn't defeat the divine interruption of the child Jesus into the world. But she was given two wings of those like a great eagle so she could fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness. There she would be cared for and protected for, time, for a time, times, and half a time. Then the dragon tried to drown the woman with the flood. This is the church. With the flood of water that flowed from his mouth. But the earth helped her by opening its mouth and swallowing the river and gushed, that gushed out from the mouth of the dragon. And the dragon was angry with the church. Couldn't whoop Jesus. Couldn't stop his agenda. But on Jesus goes to heaven and says, I'm going to give you the play option. Read. You've got the ball, church. Now I want you to run with it. And the dragon says, I can't beat Jesus, but I'm going to go after the church. 
And you do know the church is not a building, right? The church is you. So the, the dragon is angry at you and declares war against the rest of her children. Anybody that comes to the church, he's declaring war. Here's the, here's the tagline. All who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. People who have said, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to make the decision. I'm going to allow him to lead my life. It's not this big, like, huge production where the devil jumps out at you on your way to work. Ah, with horns and stuff. It's not like that. It's little trials. It's Facebook on a Saturday night. It's Netflix on a Friday night. It's that coworker. It's just that 3 a.m. booty call. It's just little things. It's just one more drink. You feel me? It's just a slow attack. Slow, slow. It's, it's just the opportunity for Jesus to say, you going to follow me or you going to do it your way? You going to rock with me? Because I can tell you how to get out of this. In fact, we're all in heaven cheering you on. Maybe you didn't hear what I said. We're all in heaven like, watch my boy. Watch him handle this. No, we talked about this already. We, we've already walked through this. Just follow the game plan. Watch him. Watch him. Boom, he got it. They high-fiving. Oh, watch my girl right here. Okay, we've been, we've been talking about this in our devotion. Watch her. Watch how she handles this conversation. Mm-hmm. Look at her. I ain't even going to look. Did she do it? She did it. Keep the commandments. Then the dragon took his stand. On the shore by the sea. So you've got the, you got the devil taking his stand. And you got Jesus sitting down waiting. Because when he stands up, it's over. He says, I'm giving the power to my church. I will not leave them or forsake them. All the power that's in heaven is in earth in the church. Every tool that I have is available to you. My spirit is available you to you every single day. I believe that you can do it. But let me tell you something. When Jesus gets up, it's over with. At some point, Jesus is standing up. I'm talking about prophetic end time things. But I don't think this is exclusive for that. I believe that in your life, there comes a point where Jesus stands up and says, I got to interrupt this situation. At some point, he says, that's enough. You have tormented my child long enough. You have abused my child long enough. Satan, you've gone way too far. I'm standing up and I'm declaring authority. You cannot touch my child. Let me show you the last verse. Because this is what I want to encourage you with. At some point, Jesus is going to make a stand. At some point, Jesus is going to stand up and say, enough is enough. And we've got to be in a place where we are walking with Jesus and we are willing to be obedient to him on a daily basis so that we are walking in his spirit and living by the word because we don't know when Michael's going to stand up. And here's the thing I will say. When we die, it's over. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm trying to help you. When you die... The second coming has come for you. There's no purgatory. There's no second chances. 
There's no, you know, waiting in the lobby trying to figure it out. When it's over for you, it's over. The next thing you will experience is Jesus either coming for you to say, here they are. Or Jesus weeping for you. Saying, I just wish they would have accepted it. I, I did everything I could, but I get it. You made your decision. It's going to hurt me forever. And I'm always going to love you. But this ain't going to work. Because when Jesus comes again, when we go to heaven, when we go to the new earth, it's not going to be any pain. It's not going to be any sickness. It's not going to be any sin. All of that is going to be over with. There's not going to be any other earthly pleasures for us to either be bound by it or enjoy. If we're going to be righteous, we're going to be righteous. If we don't want to choose God, then, make, then we'll make the choice. But at some point, Jesus got to stand up. Let me give you this last verse. Thessalonians chapter 4. I mean chapter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Just a couple verses. Here's what it says. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like other people who have no hope. See, there's a difference between those who have hope and those who don't. There's a difference, and even in the trial, that those who know God has, has this under control, and I'm going to be all right. See, he wants to set some things straight. This is what's going to happen. Verse 13. Sorry, 14. So, for whence, for since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, when Michael stands up, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. In other words, when he comes back, he's going to say, all of those who stood for me, all of those who were on my team, all of those who suffered for my name, I'm going to raise them up. There are people all across the world who wish they could come into a building like this, who wish they could worship in public, who wish they could invite somebody to church. If they, somebody knows they believe in God, they'll be dead. And there's people who only have one page of the Bible and they believe with all their heart. And Jesus is going to call their name. And some people who have never, will never even see a Bible. Through whatever religion they practiced, they just believed it was God. And they were faithful to whatever was presented to them. And they lived it out. And they suffered. And they cried. And Jesus says, I'm coming. Don't you worry. I got a reward for you. I'm coming to honor you. So I'm going to bring them back. Verse 15. For, for we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living... When the Lord's return will not, will not meet him ahead of those who have died. When Jesus comes again, he's going to come and everybody's going to see him. And there will be those who are going to be alive who are actually going to see the second coming of Jesus. And he's making it clear. Even though we see him first, we're not going to meet him first. We're going to wait. There's going to be some people who were righteous, who waited, who fought the test and fought the battle since they died first. We're not going to meet ahead of them. Here's verse 16. This is what's going to happen. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a what? He ain't got to sneak in. How in the world can the Savior of the universe sneak in earth anyway? The Bible says the rocks will cry out. The giraffe will put up on high lands and raise his hands. 
that's just what's going to happen. If the creator enters the earth, all the animals, little, little flies going to be like this. Praise the Lord. He can't sneak in if he, if he wanted to. He's coming down with a commanding shout. With the voice of Michael. He's coming down with that thug life tatted on his chest. He's like, I got, I got business to handle. Hold my coat. With the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet, call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. There's going to be a sound, a familiar sound. They're going to be sleeping in their graves. Jesus is going to call it, I know that name. It's not going to be a, the first time. I hear that name. Those who have died are going to rise first from their graves. Now, it ain't going to be ugly like, you know, walking dead or something. It's going to be beautiful. Then, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. Could you imagine what that's going to be like? All the champions who have died in the faith, all the unknowns who have died in the faith, some of your loved ones, your grandparents, your, gra your wife, somebody that's died in your family, like you're going to get to see them in a glorified self with a new body, with a new face, and you're going to rise together to see the Lord. Do you know what that's going to feel like? To see your grandma, to see some lost child, maybe even see Martin Luther the King, I don't know. You might be next to Martin Luther King. I'm going to say, let freedom ring. Jesus says, so be encouraged with others with these words. This pretty much means what we've been teaching. That what looks like a trial, what looks like a tragedy, it's an opportunity for the believer. This walk with Jesus, this journey to heaven starts now. It starts today. And every day we submit to his will. Every day we submit to him. We are literally walking towards that great day. I believe in the second coming of Jesus. I got friends that I've buried. I've got best friends that I've buried. I've seen them go to the ground way too early. And I'm telling you, sometimes when I get discouraged, I just think of their faces. I say, Lord, I'm going to keep faithful. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep pressing through. I'm going to keep doing. There's somebody else. There's one more person. There's got to be somebody else that needs you. I'm going to keep I'm going to keep on showing up. I'm gonna, even though this is hard, I'm going to press through it. I'm going to give you all I got because one of these days, it's going to be a divine interruption. And all this sickness, all this evilness, all this wickedness, everything that the enemy thought he was in control of, God's going to stand up and say, enough is enough. I'm coming to claim the people who belong to me. This is over with, and they will live with me forevermore. And my prayer, the prayer from the bottom of my heart, is that every person in this room will be there. Every person in this room will be there. But you know what? It's your decision. It's your decision. And it's an easy decision to make. You know why? Because you're already here. In fact, I'm getting ready to give you an opportunity to make that decision. Give you an opportunity today. And what I love about God is he's gracious and he's kind and he's, he's patient. And even though you may not feel ready, he's not going to pressure you. But here's what I'm going to tell you. You never know 
when Michael's going to stand up. You never know when the trial's going to take you out. You never know when the person that you love won't be with you forever. You never know when that's going to be. Take the opportunity today. Make the decision today. The Bible says, wow, you stood up. There's still time. So as we close this series, I want to pray for you today. This is what I'm going to do, something special. I'm going to ask everybody to stand today, if you don't mind. And as you're standing, your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. And I want to pray a special prayer. And I want you to repeat after me for those who are making it for the first time. By saying this prayer for the first time, for the benefit of those, I'd like for all of us to pray out loud. I want you to understand the seriousness of this moment. This is a life and death moment. Somebody's going to say, God, I need you, and I surrender my life to you today. We're going to do this as a family. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. For some of you who are making this for the first time, as everybody's eyes are closed and everyone's head are bowed, we close this prayer. I want you to lift your hands and let me know that that was you who prayed that prayer today for the first time, or maybe for the second time, but you made that prayer with all your heart. Let's pray as a church. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for being my Savior. Come on, say it out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for being my Savior. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for giving me eternal life. I confess I'm a sinner. I confess I need your grace. Forgive me. Now, Lord, lead me into all truth. I surrender my life to you. And when you come again, I'm committed to see you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, while your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, I just want you to slip that hand up. If you pray that for, from the depths of your heart, let me see your hand. God bless you. I see you. There are hands going up all over the place. My God, thank you. You can put your hands down. Church, let's put our hands together now. Let's thank the Lord for what he's done. Come on, let's thank the Lord for salvation. Let's thank the Lord for God. Let's thank the Lord for all truth.